This is The Weekender on Y95. Good morning and welcome to The Weekender on Y95. Brought to you by Aris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center. I'm Kevin Northup. The Weekender for Saturday, July 16th, 2022. Coming up this hour, it's been 55 years since an unidentified object touched down in Shag Harbor. Candace Phibbs sits down with Danny Reed and Chris Stiles of the Shag Harbor UFO Incident Society to talk about the upcoming expo. Jacob Postlewaite speaks with local author Sharon Robart-Johnson on her award-winning book, Jude and Diana. And the Western Nova Scotia Exhibition returns next month. We talk to President Darren Watkins about what to expect. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender. I'm Candace Phibbs. I'm joined today by Danny Reed, Vice President of the Shag Harbor UFO Incident Society and Society member and author of three Shag Harbor UFO Incident books, Chris Stiles. Thank you both for joining me today. Can you start by introducing yourselves? Give me a little bit of background on your role, your involvement in the Shag Harbor UFO Incident Society. Hi, I'm uh, yeah, so I'm Danny. Um, I've been involved with the society for a couple of years. It, it really started, I guess, um, from a young boy. I've always been fascinated with UFOs and science and rockets and space and astronauts and all of that. Um, so I always had a fascination with UFOs and so on. And it really wasn't until about eight years ago, um, from Digby, but I moved down to Yarmouth eight years ago. And my job takes me past Shag Harbor. So I pulled off the highway one day and went to the Shag Harbor Museum. I'd always heard about it, but really didn't appreciate the whole event. Um, I purchased two books. Uh, They were written by Chris Stiles, read the books, and really, really became fascinated with the Shag Harbor incident itself. And a couple of years ago, attended one of their events and uh, was surprised, I guess, that there wasn't more people there. Uh, the stories being told were kind of giving me goosebumps. And it was just really, really, really neat. Um, and it was at that event that I got to meet Chris. Chris Stiles got to meet Lori Wickens, sit there and talk to those guys. And uh, Lori said, you know, if you're that interested, Dan, you should join the society. And I said, well, how do, how do I do that? And he said, it's $10 for a membership. And I basically took $10 out slapped it on the table and said, man, I'm in. And a little while after that, I attended one of their functions in the fall, which is what the expo has evolved into. And again, really, really, really interested in what was being said, uh, the guest speakers that were present, but also kind of surprised that there wasn't more people there and just thought what a neat opportunity um, to really draw people to this area. And I was kind of, I guess, surprised again, that it wasn't just a bigger deal and wanted to get more involved. And that's really how I became more involved with the society to the point where I'm now the vice president and sat down with with the group and talked about really putting on sort of a world-class event that really would draw a lot of people to the area, draw a lot of attention to the museum itself and just kind of be a a win-win for for everybody. Chris, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm a, an independent UFO researcher, and I got into the business back in 1992 uh, when I first started reinvestigating the Shag Harbor incident. And at the time, the case was quite unknown. It had uh, literally slipped into the dustbin of history, and I kind of resurrected it. And within a few years, uh, people were referring to it both as a compelling argument for UFO reality and on U.S. shows, it was listed often as high as number three on some of the best documented cases in the world. And to this day, the Shag Harbor incident is kind of unique in that it remains the only 
UFO crash scenario in the world that is supported in that interpretation by government documents that are freely available and entirely without controversy as to their origin or authenticity. And people can hear it all about it this year in Yarmouth at this year's UFO Expo. You've uh, led a little bit already into my next question. Just um, for, you know, Yarmouth takes a little bit for granted that we know about this area. But for those who don't, can you give me a little overview what happened in 1967 in Shag Harbor? Okay, we'll keep it brief. Uh, in 1967, if you're roadside at night and looked up, you would have seen a sequence. Now, this would have been 1120. The moon had already sat. It was a perfectly cloudless night. You could see the faintest stars without binoculars. And what you would have seen was a set of flashing lights that went in sequence, one, two, three, four, and then they would all flash again, a, a sequence different from commercial traffic. Uh, after this occurred for several minutes, the lights tipped to a 45 degree angle and descended rapidly to the water surface. Some say when they struck that it gave the sound of an explosion or a bright flash. Many of the witnesses lost it behind the tree lines. Immediately, at least seven local residents, Lori Wickens, who will be at the conference, will be one of them who called, and he is the president of the society, and uh, called RCMP. And the thing is, what's one of the great, interesting, unique things about this case, too, that makes it distinct from others is that no one actually reported a UFO. Everyone that called simply said that they'd seen lights or thought that a plane had crashed into Shag Harbor. It was the authorities that first referred to it in that. Anyway, it led to an underwater search with naval divers that went on for several days. It was canceled. It became a headline story in the Halifax Chronicle Herald. And to this day, the case remains open and unsolved as to what could have been at least 60 feet across, crashed into that, had dozens of witnesses, including an airliner that was flying over. And uh, it's one of the great legacies from this area uh, within UFO history. So 55 years later, this coming October, you're planning for the Shag Harbor UFO Expo. Uh, is this the first year for this event? Yeah, so it's the first year of the event at this scale. Uh, it's always been held either at the museum or at the Woods Harbor Hall. And we tried to, I guess, ramp it up a bit. We got six world-renowned UFOologists coming, uh, five are from the U.S. Uh, we're bringing them up, flying four of them up. One's, one's going to hop on the cat, and Chris is from Halifax, as we said. Um, so we needed a different venue to hold it. So this year, we're going to have it at the Rod Grand Hotel. It's a two-day event. Uh, so the first day is the speakers, kind of a conference setting with speakers making presentations. Uh, there's going to be a Q&A session later that evening and then a trivia contest. Uh, then the next day is a bus tour with chartered bus rented to bus uh, participants down to the actual crash site, which is very unique. We're going to have somebody on the bus narrating kind of how the whole event that evening played out. We're going to have witnesses on the bus and actually let folks get off, set foot right on the edge of the Shag Harbor uh, where the crash took place and basically take them back in time to where it all happened. How the planning's going, I think it's going very well. Uh, we have everything set up. Unfortunately, COVID threw us a loop and we really started planning this in 2019. We had to put it on the back burner for two years, but this is the third year. Um, all the speakers have graciously agreed to, to still show up. And so far we are definitely a go. 
Uh, we've got support from the town of Yarmouth, uh, three municipalities, Yarmouth, Argyle, and Barrington. And I, I think we're up and running. Yeah, so calling it Canada's Roswell and knowing how many people go to Roswell for their convention, um, has anyone spoken at that convention about Shag Harbor? Uh, I, I don't know. I've never actually been in Roswell. It's one of the few big conferences in the States that I've not attended. I've spoken at many others. I do know that in the past that uh, some researchers have mentioned it, such as Kevin Randall, who's well known, and Antonio Uneas, but I actually can't answer that definitively. Um, I know I was invited and spoke with it at many others in places like North Carolina, Greensboro, uh, Trenton, New Jersey, uh, Rochester, New York, etc. I could go on, California. Um, it, it's it's well accepted and well known there. And in fact, in some ways, I would say better than it is here in Canada, because they seem to be more attuned to these things. And you should remember, I think that people in the field realize that the UFO phenomenon is a worldwide thing, doesn't recognize borders. They just want the good data wherever it happens. And, you know, at the expo, um, all the other speakers except me are actually U.S. Uh, people of note that are coming up. We have Nick Pope, who you see now all the time in UFO documentaries, Dave Marler, the world expert on triangle cases. Uh, who else we got here? We got uh, Debbie Ziegelmeyer, a USO underwater UFO expert, and uh, Rob Switek, who... Uh, you know, was considered the guy for the 1950 Washington wave. And they're all going to be in Yarmouth for this sort of thing. And uh, it's going to be a world-class event, I think. Yeah. So a two-day conference with the option to either attend day one or day two or the entirety um, with day one being a focus on those speakers. Yeah. And, and the second day, you know, is something unique. When you think about this, there's no other conference, even these big ones in the U.S., where you can go to an event like this and you're going to be able to meet the actual witnesses. You're going to meet some of the experts. And the next day, if you want to hang around and get on the bus, we're going to take you to the actual locations. Unfortunately, we can't take you back in time. But like I say, we can take you to meet the people, the experts, and we can actually take you there. So that's pretty cool. Pretty unique. Excellent. And that's uh, departing the Rod Grand and going right out to, to the site of the incident. And your, yourself, Chris, are narrating the trip and, and uh, the events that unfolded on that day. Well, you seem to know more about this than I do, but I'm quite willing. I've done it before, <laughs> but I, I knew I would be there for some of that. But uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> or, I or I just signed you up for, for something. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how I end up there. So outside of the expo itself, if individuals are interested in learning more about what happened in Shag Harbor, there is, of course, the small museum in Shag Harbor that is open through the summer months uh, and by appointment over the winter. And can you tell me a little bit more in detail the three books that you've authored, Chris, on the on the subject? Um, well, it, actually, it's two books, and one is yet to come out, hopefully, by this fall. The two books that are out there, the first one uh, was the Little American book, which was called uh, Dark Object, and I believe it's still in print and available at Amazon.com, and occasionally I see some in chapters. And the other book, which is available through Amazon, 
um, is Impact to Contact, which is the Canadian book that I co-authored with uh, Graham Sims. And uh, they're still in print and available. I'm wor- I've got a new work now with, a, at this point, it's just a working title. I hope to have out this fall that touches both on the Shag Harbor incident and the related Shelburne case. Yeah, fingers crossed that's uh, ready for this fall and the expo. Yeah, because it's it's still an, an open and active case. You know, the work goes on, you know. Shag Harbor is the gift that keeps on giving, I like to say. Yeah. Over the last two years, you know, we've been stuck inside, reading more, watching more, you know, general entertainment on television. Have you noticed any interest grow in this topic specifically over the last two years? Yeah, I, I I think that, you know, the uh, release by the Pentagon of some of the uh, video clips they have and an admission of, you know, what's been lobbied at for a long time by some of the disclosure people is that it appears that the uh, U.S. naval government and other departments there, Department of Defense generally, has taken these sightings a lot more seriously. That has encouraged the public interest in that. The other thing I think in just this post-COVID world that people are ready for something and want to get out. And if you're in the Tri-County area, I can't imagine a better way to, to get up close and personal, like I say, with the phenomena. I mean, there are many people, as Danny said, you know, in Toronto that don't get to be, to sit down close with the people who are, in the forefront of this thing of of our movers and shakers and ufology and look i i'm lucky enough to know a few of these people on a personal level they're very approachable it's a great chance to sit down with somebody like dave merrill or nick or or debbie ziegelmeyer and you know pick their brains and get the answers you want and see what ends up on the editing room floor when you see these tv specials or or a TED talk or something like that. So, you know, if you're truly interested, it isn't going to get any closer to you than that. And I hope that uh, the true believers out there and aficionados and, and, and the skeptics too, you know, take advantage of this to get up close and personal and bring their good questions, you know, and I'll tell you something, these people love a tough question. When I go to these things, you know, sometimes I'm a little disappointed. They turn out to be love I love the tough questions. This isn't quite my world that I, I live in, and I'll admit to that. I do love, you know, the unusual, the unexplainable events and that sort of thing. Um, but the names that you have on your speaker list, certainly just watching, you know, Space Network or flipping through the History Channel or general interest just on social media, some of those names are familiar to me, and I don't live in, the, in that world. Um, so I can just imagine that mm. others have come across those names and to have them right here in the Tri-Counties there's really how, how much more can you ask for to be able to ask those questions and have them in your community? Absolutely. There's not no need to travel to Toronto, Vancouver, et cetera. For the locals that are interested, this is a world-class event. I think it's a real opportunity, like I say, to get in there and be personal and say, I was there. <laughs> yeah. And are there um, volunteer opportunities? Are there any needs in that capacity? If people are interested and maybe can't attend the sessions, but want to be involved in some way. Yeah, so we have a pretty good group with our society members, but I do think there's some openings for a few people that would like to help out. Um, On our event website is an email address, and I'll provide that now, but the email address is ufoexpo, and it's X-P-O. So ufoexpo at hotmail.com. 
that's the expo email address. So I'll say it again, ufoexpo at hotmail.com. They can contact me directly through that address. My phone number, it's 902-740-6657. And you can text, you can phone. Again, it's uh, Danny. And just reach out to me and ask how you can get involved. Um, the actual expo website where we have tickets available right now is the Shag Harbor ufoexpo.com now the only twist in that address expo is spelled e-x-p-o so again shag harbor ufoexpo.com that will take you to the full schedule of events our website address and then through eventbrite you can actually purchase tickets online right now Um, tickets are available either just for saturday's conference you can buy them just for the bus tour sunday If seating is available, you can actually buy tickets for the individual speakers, which is kind of interesting. But if it does sell out, of course, then that that won't be available. Um, And you can buy the whole weekend package, of course, for the whole event. Uh, And again, it's going to be right at the Rod Grand Hotel for the conference part. And then the bus will leave early the next morning, nine-ish, I think. Details are on the uh, website. Uh, The chartered bus is heading down to Shag Harbor and will bus you back up course by the end of the day uh so we talked about volunteer you know opportunities there what about sponsorship opportunities are you looking for sponsorship of this convention or expo at all yeah really good question so we didn't go looking for sponsors i I guess we're kind of thinking like field of dreams you build it you know build it and they will come but we absolutely would appreciate sponsors um it's something we just i guess i hadn't thought of we just put it together and tried to get some funding from the government it's going fairly well. Uh, we hope it sells out. Uh, events like this in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, or through the U.S. with this lineup of speakers, it would kind of it would be a sellout. But we appreciate that we're in Yarmouth. It's a smaller town, smaller population. So, you know, we need to get the word out. And if anybody would want to to sponsor the event, put their brand tied into the UFO Expo and help us out with promoting the event. Yeah, that'd be very welcome. And same thing, they can fire off an email to me at ufoexpo at hotmail.com or they can call me, uh, Danny, at 902-740-6657. And that's the cell, so you can text text me as well. That would be uh, definitely of interest. Is there a part of the Expo, Danny, that you are most looking forward to? I think the guest speakers. We, we uh, you know, Chris and I have been talking about this and, I used to really be into golf and it'd be very much like me attending a golf tournament and being able to watch, let's say Tiger Woods play around a golf and then sit there for an hour after the game and ask him questions. You know, what club did you use here, et cetera? That's the analogy, but this is going to be a rather intimate setting with only 400 seating. You're much smaller, of course, than kind of a theater type thing. So when these events are held in the U.S. Uh, in larger locations, they, they sell out. But you don't get that up close and in personal contact with the speakers. With our event, you will. Um, we're going to have the Q&A session that evening. And you will literally be able to sit there and fire questions off at Nick Pope, Chris Stiles, Debbie Zellweger, if I'm pronouncing her name correct. Um, I've read a couple of their books. And anyone who's into it, and as Chris has said, anybody who maybe is not into it, and as a skeptic, or you want to fire a quick question at Chris and say, you know, what about this? What about that? They welcome that. And, you know, it's still an unknown. And that's what I think is so fascinating. But 
what's going to make it unique and special is just that it's going to be the close interaction with our guest speakers and the chance to you know grab grab a book get an autograph um ask them questions talk to them shake their hand and then the following day when we head down to the shake harbor actual site we're going to have witnesses available to hear from them but also ask them questions and be very much like going to Roswell, New Mexico. And, you know, whoever the farmer was on the farm that said that saucer landed in his field, you know, uh, I think he's passed away now. But, gee, getting a chance to sit down with him and talk to him about those events that unfolded that night, you, you can't do that, right? That's not going to happen. The U.S. military came in and the whole thing was shut down. And whether it was a weather balloon, who knows? But this is the only government-documented UFO crash in the world, not just Canada, but in the world. And there's documentation as to what happened, who was on site, credible people, RCMP officers, et cetera. And again, a few of those witnesses from the actual event that evening, back on October 4th, 1967, they're gonna be standing right there in the flesh and you can, you can meet them, get an autograph if you uh, would like, but also just, just talk to them and ask them what they think happened that evening and how unique it was. And that's, uh, you know, time will run out. We won't be doing that in 10, 20 years from now. Um, anyway, so I think that's what makes our event unique and very special. And that's what's got me most excited about it. Yeah, I've run into that as I've done research on other topics, shipwrecks or Nova Scotia's rum running past. You start to lose people who were there on that day or in that moment. And to be able to meet those people and talk to them is a real rarity and like again not to oversell you know your listeners on it but you know chris will say chris chris knows these folks the other five that are coming up from the u.s and he's met all all of them he spoke at various conferences with them and they're fairly high profile nick pope especially i see him on tv all the time right they've been on cnn they've been on fox news these folks and they've written books um again to get up close and rub shoulders with these people in that setting um is really really cool and you know we've mentioned it already but this event is kind of dubbed you know canada's roswell and it is one of the most famous ufo mysteries not just not in canada but in the world um and i think chris mentioned already but when they rank the top 10 ufo mysteries of all time i think this is ranked as high as three globally so again to have witnesses right there and an actual tour to the site and then Beyond just the Shag Harbor event, the other five speakers besides Chris are going to talk about, as we mentioned, other areas of UFOlogy that's fascinating. So it really is a broad scope of the whole UFO phenomenon and, and what a really cool chance locally for the Tri-Counties folks to, to sit down and listen to some great, uh, great storytellers and hear from them who they've interviewed witnesses. Um, just very, very cool. Excellent. Take me through just one more time. When is it and where can people register or find out more information? Yeah, so it's a two-day event. The, it's going to be the actual crash happened October 4th, 1967. So we want to kind of have it roughly around the anniversary date. So it's October 1st and 2nd of 2022 is our event. It's a Saturday and Sunday. The Saturday involves the conference part. It starts at 9 o'clock and it runs through till 9.30. All through the day is going to be speakers. We will break for lunch. Uh, we'll break then for supper at five and have the Q&A session later that evening with the speakers. Um, Sunday, October 2nd is the bus tour down to the crash site. 
and also to a beach where recent sighting can happen. That in itself is, is worth it. Um, tickets are available through the UFO uh, Expo website. I'll give the address again. It is Shag Harbor UFO Expo, EXPO.com. So Shag Harbor UFO Expo.com has the full schedule profiles of the guest speakers and ticket link to, to purchase your tickets online right now. Um, and if you want to email me for more information about volunteering or sponsorship, our email address is UFO Expo. And again, that one's XPO. That's how we're going to brand the event. So UFO Expo at hotmail.com or call me at 902-740-6657. Um, you can also text. Excellent. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. And uh, I wish you all the best with this event and I can't wait to see it grow uh, as the years come. We've been talking with Danny Reed and Chris Stiles of the Shag Harbor UFO Expo for Y95 and The Weekender. I'm Candace Fibbs. The Weekender will return in a moment. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Jacob Postlewaite. I'm joined now by author Sharon Robart Johnson and she's here to discuss her novel Jude and Diana a historical fiction about the life of two enslaved women who once lived in Yarmouth County. You've joined us here on The Weekender before, uh, so welcome back. Thank you. And uh, for people who aren't aware, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your history as an author. Oh, my history of an author only started in 2009. Okay. When I wrote Africa's Children. Right. Before that, I was just doing genealogical research. And all the information I found... My older sister said, you're not giving it to anyone. You're going to write a book. Hence, Africa's Children, History of Blacks in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. So that was your first book, and that was pretty much just historical, right? It wasn't It a, was a history book. Right. It was okay. a history book. That's interesting. Uh, so this novel, this is your first narrative novel, correct? It is. It is. Okay. So tell us a little bit about it. It's a work of historical fiction, uh, but it focuses on a real person who did exist, uh, so tell us a little bit about the story of the novel and how you came to write it. Well, I found the information about Jude when I was researching for Africa's children. I found court records that said that she was, and they actually said she was murdered. Oh. And it gave all of the depositions, so I had copies of every document that there were. And uh, I, it, I knew that at one time I was going to write a story about Jude. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I said, I'm going to do it. And about four years ago, I decided to sit down and give it a go. Interesting. So like we mentioned, uh, you've written about the history of black people here mm-hmm. in Yarmouth. It's something, of course, you're very passionate about. So tell us a little bit more about why you wanted to tell this specific story about Jude. Someone said to me that I, I became obsessed with Jude, and I think I did. I, I didn't want her to become another statistic in slavery. Mm-hmm. And because it was from this area, from the Yarmouth County, I, I just chose her because it was a, a miscarriage of justice back at the, in those days. But, I mean, you're talking about days of slavery, so of that's what it would have been like anyway. Absolutely. Slaves had no voice, and I just decided to give Jude a voice. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the story of the novel itself. Uh, tell, walk us through that a little bit. Jude is telling her own story. Right. She's telling a story about what her life may have been like before she died. But she also tells about 
actual facts of, of the time, well, things that happened to her at the time. Mm-hmm. So everything you read about when she's telling you that she was beat with sticks, that happened. In the section where there's the court records, the doctor's deposition is verbatim. Anyone can access those from the Nova Scotia archives. So I, those were not made up. Those injuries were not made up. Right. So she's telling her story right to the end. And then when you get to Diana's story after the trial, Diana's telling what her story, her life might have been like. But Diana's is fiction because there was absolutely no information about Diana at all. So a lot of research went into this then. It takes a lot of research to do a historical novel. Right. The same as if you're writing an historical, a history book. You have to do, you have to do your research. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about some of that research and, and some of the work that you did. I had most of it because I had already done the research on Jude. So I had most of it. It was just a matter of trying to determine, determine how the people talk, spoke in those times, what their, their dialect was. Um, and thanks, thanks to my fantastic editor, we got it right. <laughs> I hope we did anyway. And um, then you had to research some of the people. There are basically, I'll say maybe about four or five fictional characters all the other people mentioned are actual characters, like Nathaniel Richards. He was the ex- actual justice of the peace. Nehemiah Porter was Yarmouth's coroner. Dr. Joseph Bond was Yarmouth's surgeon. So these are actual people. So I had to make sure that the information I got from them was accurate. Right. So it's a lot of research goes into it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you mentioned, uh, because it is written from the perspective of Jude. Yes. And uh, But it also goes a little bit, Farther, as you mentioned, it's written in the dialect, the dialogue, that the internal dialogue in the novel is written as she, she would have spoke in those days. So I wanted to ask you, why did you decide to do that? Why would you want to do that? Well, most slaves are uneducated. They're not going to speak as if they went to Yale University. Right. So you have to try to, to determine how, how they would have spoken. And I had researched all these slave narratives some were, so, some were so bad you couldn't read how they, the people spoke at all. That's how bad their speech was. So we just had to determine the best ones to use so that people, the reader of the book would be able to hear, hear what they're saying and also read what they're saying. So it was very important to you then to reflect how they would have spoken in that time period. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're hoping people take away from this novel and and what they learn. I don't know if I was hoping for them to take away anything. Uh, Well, I I was. I wanted them to feel the emotions that I felt, the anger, the sadness, the injustice. I wanted all of that. And uh, most of the people have already have told me they felt those things. One gentleman even told me he cried. Wow. I know. So, I mean, it's, it, it, it did what I wanted it to do. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the publishing of the book. Uh, who, is it, who is it being published with? Who has it been published with? Uh, Roseway Publishing, which is an imprint of Fernwood Publishing. Okay. And I, I submitted three times before they accepted the third one. Third time's the charm. I, listen, it is. I would have done it ten times. Well, it's, it's definitely, a, you know, a story that, is important in a story that you're very passionate about and it does you know it is a reflection of history a lot of history not just you know the events but also like we were talking about the way people spoke the mm-hmm. the dialogue which is 
you know, it's not something you usually see with a novel. Usually, you know, they will take that step and talk when you have the actual spoken words in that way, but usually see the internal dialogue is, you don't see that too often. And I thought that was pretty striking that you did go that step farther to to make sure even the internal thoughts that Jude has are are written in that style. Well, you have to, you have to, and historical novel has to be historically correct. Correct. So you're not going to have them speaking with, you know, hey, give me a cup of Pepsi or something. That's <laughs> just not, that isn't just, isn't the way it would have been done. Right. And I wanted it to be as accurate as possible. Absolutely. So tell us about, you know, what's happened since the book has been published. Have you been traveling around promoting it? I have done a, a few articles. I'm set to do I think it's a podcast that's coming out and I have to okay. I have to get the exact title for that one um, but other than that and this one I have I have done a lot of traveling around right and uh, the book has been it's received a few honors as well uh, it won recently the Nova Scotia for the Nova Scotia Book Awards the Robbie Robertson Dartmouth Book Award and you were a finalist for the Atlantic Book Awards the Thomas Rattle Atlantic Fiction Award how does it feel to receive recognition like that for your novel for a first-time novel when I received the email about the Robbie Robertson book award I thought someone was playing a joke on me okay. until I did because <laughs> I, I didn't even know it had been submitted for you know but then my editor confirmed it and it just floored me because I, I never expected it this is a first-time novel some people have written four and five and have never been nominated so I feel very, very honored to have even been nominated. I consider myself a winner just to be nominated. Do you know who nominated you? No. So it's always well, anonymous. Well, I think the, the, the publisher submits the the novels. Okay. So, but I mean, it's it's just an honor that I just, I'm still having a hard time to, co- to do, sort of to take it all in. And uh, what could you tell us about that award? Uh, do you know what kind of novels they usually uh is it this kind of novel that they try it to is, focus on it is ta- yes it is okay so they focus on historical fiction novels well they call it fiction so i'm not sure if, they, if it's always historical fiction or if it's just fiction okay and uh just kind of as we're wrapping up here uh are you working on anything else coming up in the future i am oh can you it, tell us about it well it doesn't have a title yet I, I don't have a title yet but it's 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 still about slavery right I have the research. I might as well use it. For sure. Um, yeah. And uh, so just finishing up here, uh, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what it meant to you to, to put this book together and to to write it. When I finally finished it, well, like I said, I submitted three times. The third time is, is the charm, like you said. And when I got the the email from the the publisher saying, we would like to offer you a contract, well, to me that was the ultimate finish for this book and then I said well I knew it was coming out as an ebook. it is also as an audio book now but I'd love to see it as a movie mm. hey <laughs> you never know what the future could bring I know it just has to go to the right people absolutely well Sharon I want to thank you so much for joining us today and and discussing your novel I think it's it's pretty interesting and it's certainly you know something that reflects the history of this area here in Yarmouth and uh, tells an important story. So I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95.
Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Kevin Northup. They call it the X with all the extras. It's been a couple of years. It's back. The Western Nova Scotia Exhibition is coming to Mariner Center August 3rd to the 6th. We are so excited that it's back, and a lot of people in the community are as well. Pleased to be joined by uh, the president of the Western Nova Scotia Exhibition, uh, Darren Watkins, in studio this morning to talk more about this. Darren, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. Now this, it's been a couple of years, and you were telling me before we went on the air, uh, this is your third year as the president, but this is actually your first time uh, leading through an exhibition that's actually going to happen. So for you, since you've been president, I guess tell us what that journey has been like for you to get to where we are today. It's been challenging, for sure. Uh, We've been trying to plan the exhibition for the last three years, obviously, and every year it was at a stalemate because of COVID, so... This year, finally, we scrambled last minute and and put it together. (laughs) That seems like a a theme for a lot of events uh, around the area and and, and kind of finding that return to normalcy. And that's what the exhibition is doing this year. So uh, a lot of great things are are going to be happening. We're going to get into all of those in in just a second. But uh, tell me first about, you know, yourself and and the crew and I guess what it's taken to to get to uh, plan this exhibition this year. Yeah, uh, just everybody stood on their heads, really. Bottom line was uh, it was last minute. All the way through, we uh, we even wondered if we'd even get to have an exhibition. So it was a last minute, and uh, everything we put together, it seems to be coming together nice. Right, and uh, one change this year, uh, the midway looks a little different, obviously. There's no actual midway with rides, but there is Yarmouth Big Bounce, and uh, we saw them at Ribfest, and the kids were loving it. They were having a great time, so... Uh, that sort of entertainment is still there uh, for the kids to be able to to have a Yarmouth Big Bounce. So uh, tell me about how much that means to you guys to be able to have that kind of element to it still. Yeah, we it's a great thing to have for the younger kids. Uh, it was it was kind of disappointing not to have the Midway come in, but uh, we scrambled for the Big Bounce, and uh, it should be good for the younger kids. And we've also got Laser Tag yeah. coming in along with them and a Virtual Reality thing to go, to go along with it so we compensated for it i i realized that the that the midway was probably something that was a disappointment but uh we'll work for that again in the future hopefully yeah that was my next question is that something that could be coming back in the future the midway to maybe next year's exhibition yeah it's definitely not off the table for mm-hmm. sure this year was hard because they were scrambling too with covid so it was all financial thing with uh with with them and and uh, the price of fuel and the cost of stuff was was hired for them. So right, yeah. So right. hopefully next year we'll get that back. It's definitely a story we hear a lot too with the uh, the price of everything. But uh, uh, for Yarmouth Big Bounce, uh, like I said, they were at Rib Fest. Um, seemed like the kids were really enjoying it. Laser tag. I mean, I haven't played that I think since uh, Upper Clements Park had it years ago. So um, uh, that'll be fun for the kids too, and and for adults. You know, it's it's not just for the kids that the adults can take part too. Yeah, a little older for the group for that might might help out to, to draw them in too. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, every day that's going to be happening, big bounce and the, and the laser tag and the virtual reality? Yes. Yep. Every day. So it's great to have uh, Yarmouth Big Bounce, like we said, but uh, a lot of the familiar elements uh, of the exhibition are returning. I know uh, it looks like we've got the outdoor ring ready to go. What's going to be happening out there? The outdoor ring is going to be the typical light horse, ox poles, truck poles, all those events that were typical in the past. Yep. And I know... 
a big event for the exhibition that draws people in every year is the uh, Brian Ryerson Memorial uh, Truck Pull. Yep. That's going to be taking place. Yep. Um, uh, how's the planning for that going? That's good. That's underway, and that's just as normal. Yep. As normal. So that so will be good. Yep. A lot of participants, expecting a lot of spectators too. Yep, obviously. The truck pulls are a big event for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, always draw a good crowd. So, What does uh, admission uh, look like this year for the exhibition? The daily admission is uh, for adults 13 and over $10 a day. Youth from 5 to 12 is $5 a day. And children under 4, or 4 and under, I should say, for free. Uh, season passes are $25 for the week. And a youth season pass is $10 for the week. There you go. Great prices. Uh, you know, very, very affordable for, for families in the area. So that sounds uh Great, and uh, like like we mentioned, all sorts of entertainment. The kids are going to like the big bounce. Uh, they're going to like all that going on outside with the laser tag. But there are a number of things here that are also returning, and one thing I've noticed that we sponsor here at the station is the Y95 CJLS Talent Show. Yep. Talent Search is, is back for the first time in a few years. So uh, that's huge, obviously, uh, for the exhibition. Part of all that entertainment that's going on uh, in the main arena at Mariner Center. Yeah, I believe the Talent Search, this is the 33rd, year annual 33rd to 35th i think it's the 33rd annual year for that yeah amazing yep 33 years and i've hosted in the past i I was hosting when it was like 25 years so (laughs) it it just means the uh the time is going on so uh there's gonna be different prizes there for uh for the different uh yes there is age groups so perfect and uh a, a guy that i've heard of before that is really entertaining for the kids is the magic mr j Tell me a bit about him and what he's going to bring to the exhibition. Yeah, well, just what it says, magic. You know, he's going to be uh, he's going to be there two shows a day. It should be quite a quite a spectacle for for the kids to yeah. watch him. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I know he's. Uh, I've seen his performances uh, before, and uh, the kids are really glued in. Right so on. It's, uh, yep. it'll, it'll be nice to see. Um, also, a multicultural experience festival on the Friday of the exhibition. Uh, August the fifth, so that's going to bring uh, you know that that uh, you know multicultural aspect to the exhibition. Yep, yep. The Western Nova Scotia Arts and Heritage Society is uh, putting on their first multicultural event at the exhibition uh, Friday, August fifth, and that will include some different food samples after the event type of thing, and uh, all the different cultures represented. In the area, mariachi band. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's going to be very, very entertaining for the folks that come out to the exhibition. And uh, that's, is that all a part of what's happening in Arena 2? I know that's where a lot of the vendors are going to be set up. That's where you go see people that are, you know, uh, selling different things. Um, yeah. You'll see a lot of that there. Yeah, that'll all be in Arena 2 there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there'll be some different types of dancing going on to uh, represent the cultures in the area. So come out and see that that should be something special to see yep so uh, something for everyone in the exhibition like yep. like we've been saying and uh, i know when i go to the exhibition i want to have a have a meal i mean you gotta <laughs> you gotta experience the food right i know that those little donuts are coming back right yeah yeah as far as i know they're going to be back uh like you said the food is always something that draws in a crowd so the different foods is going to be great for them Yep. The uh, the hot dog stand that's out at uh, Canadian Tire usually, that's going to be at the exhibition. That's going to be on the exhibition grounds, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a number of different uh, vendors, too. I know uh, Shaved Ice, we saw that at Rib Fest. They'll be there. Yeah, uh, that and I think Jake's Pizza will be in there. I know the Mariner Center will obviously have their canteen open as yes, well. Yes, the Mariner Center canteen will be there too as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now I'm it's the morning and I'm hungry and I want to, and I want some food. So uh, uh, if you're out at the exhibition, uh, August third to the sixth, make sure you uh, 
uh, take part in that. It's always always nice to have that uh, that exhibition food when you're touring around and uh, and experiencing all the, these events. Um, I was looking on the the Western Nova Scotia exhibition website, which looks great, by the way. Brand new website, Thank uh, you. looking very very nice. Yep, they set that up nice. A chainsaw juggler. I saw that coming up. His name's uh, Ian Stewart. So he's going to come in for a couple of shows. Yeah, that should be fun to watch. That <laughs> should be fun to watch. I can't use one chainsaw with two hands. So how's he going to do this? We joked about that, and we said maybe he'll have no hands when he's done. <laughs> oh, right? well, I hope he keeps his hands. <laughs> oh, man, that's, like we said, all part of the exhibition. And uh, uh, folks that have very, very special talents can, uh, can come in. Yep. Um, what else do we have here? So many events just running through the list here. Uh, I know Drumlin Heights is putting on a fundraiser. They've got an escape room coming in. Yes, yes, that should be fun, yes. So that is the kind of element where there's a bunch of different clues, and you can, obviously the first one to escape the room wins, but it's also a fundraiser for the school, which is yep. nice to see. That'll definitely be different and fun for the kids. Mm-hmm. Entertainment in Arena One, um, that's always a big part, and I know we have a lot of country music fans in the area and a lot of Alan Jackson fans, and there's a couple of shows with Aaron Halliday. He's... Uh, an Alan Jackson uh, tribute artist, so he's being brought into the exhibition. Yeah, that should be good for Friday and Saturday night. So it's called the Alan Jackson Experience, and uh, we've had a lot of phone calls on that. So, I bet. Yeah. Who doesn't want to hear the Chattahoochee at the <laughs> exhibition, right? So that'll be great. Alan Jackson tribute uh, coming in, and, uh, and and all the entertainment too. Like when you get your ticket and you pay your, say you're going in for a day and you're paying your ten dollars. Uh, you get access to everything, right? You do. You, you get access to everything. And, uh, yeah, the Big Bounce is also going to be extra for, like, a daily pass for the Big Bounce would be $10. Mm-hmm. And a season pass for the Big Bounce will be 25 extra. Okay. So, so that's much like what it would have been on the Midway. Same type anyway. of thing with the Midway, right. yes. Okay, yep. perfect. And, yep. Well, it, it's worth it. Like I said, I mean, they've got bouncy castles. For, <laughs> I'm not going to go in any of them because I'm too big, but the kids like it. Uh, and I know they've got that that big jumper, too, that you wear the harness and, and you can jump up and down on them. Those are those are really cool. And, yeah, and be fun. an all-day experience. To, like you say, the, the bouncing around, that, that'll tire them out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you want to bring the kids to the exhibition if you want them to sleep uh, later on. There you go. Um, we talked about the entertainment and the Alan Jackson tribute. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. Uh, Gold Rush, also, they've got the band back together. Um, they're going to be playing on Thursday night at yes. the exhibition. They're yep. a local group. Yep, that's a local local talent, so mm-hmm. that's good to see them come in Definitely. Thursday night. Definitely. Yeah. Jamie Cotter and the Country Outlaws will be performing as well. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, I also wanted to mention... Um, Wrestling fans are going to love Saturday afternoon. Yes. Uh, we've seen UCW wrestling come here before uh, with many of their stars. Um, and I've seen the shows at Mariner Center. They're great. Um, you can bring the kids out to uh, some entertainment there. Yeah, that'll be a fun afternoon for Saturday for mm-hmm. sure. Now, is the ring going to be set up right in Arena One? Right in Arena One, yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we'll have that set up and. Uh, Saturday afternoon. Yep. Uh, some of the great talent uh, coming in there. The Maritimes, we have really, really good wrestlers here. So uh, they'll be here uh, 2 p.m. on Saturday, August the 6th. So what we're talking about, I mean, with all these events, these are just a few. Yes. Uh, a handful of things that are happening at the at the Western Nova Scotia Exhibition. So I, I know there are more places to get that information. You have a website. You also have a Facebook page, correct? Yes, we do. Yep. And we'll also have the, the chainsaw competition. We'll be back oh. along with the Fisherman's Challenge, mm-hmm. right? And and the local things like the light horse shows and the ox bulls. So 
So all those elements, like you said, are being sprinkled back in yep. for sure. Um, I remember, you know, when the ox poles and everything used to be in the arena, but now they're outside. Yep. Um, so, you know, obviously if it's going to rain or anything like that, they'll, they'll probably still be held just dressed for the weather. Keep that in mind, right? They will be held. Yeah. Yeah. Well, knock on wood, hopefully we're <laughs> looking for some, uh, some nice weather. And I know, like we talked about the, the Brian Ryerson truck pull that gets so many people. It out is. There, doesn't it's it? a great event. Actually. Yeah. It really is. Yep. Sometimes that runs till midnight or 1am. I've seen it do that. The past I've, I've seen it two o'clock in the morning. Yes. <laughs> well, we need a winner, right? That's the thing. <laughs> so, uh, that'll be a, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, uh, the Western Nova Scotia Exhibition, August 3rd to the 6th. And uh, yeah, look out for more information here in Y95. Like you said, you've got a Facebook page. You've got a website, which is brand new, updated. Uh, check that out. Full schedules are listed on there. So if you if you want to get information on a certain event, you can. Um, and uh, just once again, every day there's something there's something new whether it's entertainment in arena one whether it's the yarmouth big bounce or arena two with all the vendors um or the outside the the ox halls the truck pulls things like that um certainly something for everyone finally for you uh, darren i i guess i'll ask you what it means to you to be involved and and to see all this come back in a time where it, it you know two years of hardly anything going on now you've got all this coming back and you know, how does it feel to be, you know, the president of the exhibition and, and be involved in getting all this? It's been a long time coming for us to come back and uh, for me to be involved with it. It's it's a big deal. It's been a family tradition for my family to be involved in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that I've tried to keep involved with and, and for my kids too, right? And I find the, the exhibition is a family event and it gets us back to our roots. So it keeps us yeah. coming, hopefully. So you've had, you know, your family in the past have been involved, and in, in, so you grew up coming to the exhibition, obviously. Yeah, I grew up coming to the exhibition. My grandfather was part of the exhibition, and my kids are part of it, too. So Good. it's it's uh, it's Good. definitely a tradition for me. Now, are you taking part in any events? Will we see you uh, in anything? Yes, I, I do have oxen. So uh, I, I, I figured. Yeah. So uh, you're, you're all ready for that competition. Well, what goes into getting that ready for you and, and getting – the ox to the exhibition, and uh, what kind of a process is that for you? Uh, it's it's a long process. We <laughs> usually start in April, trying to get them ready, exercising and stuff like that, and and uh, then you got to do the shoeing, and then you got to groom them. So, it's a it's a long process. A lot of people going to be taking part in this too. A lot of different uh, folks that raise oxen. Yes, there should be around thirty pair of oxen here this oh, year. Wow. I expect. Yeah. Good stuff. Yep. Good stuff. No, that's a, definitely a fun event to go see, and you know, see how much they can. Uh, they can pull yeah <laughs> it's uh pretty impressive no doubt so uh I'm always you know transfixed on that when i go and i gotta make sure i at least see a little bit of that going on so so darren Watkins, we'll see you there um and you're the president of the exhibition if anyone has any questions or anything how can they reach out uh call the exhibition office uh the website for the western nova scotia exhibition is westernexhibition.ca westernexhibition.ca uh, it's great to have you in, Darren. I know you're busy getting ready for it. Uh, we're a, a few weeks out, but uh, August 3rd to the 6th at Mariner's Center. It'll be like old home week, won't it, to see Hopefully. everyone back out? Hopefully it will be, yep. All right, perfect. Darren Watkins is the president of the Western Nova Scotia Exhibition, which is coming up in August. And uh, listen for more details here on Y95 as we get closer to the event, of course. And uh, uh, you can check the website, as we said, for lots more information. And that's our program for today. Thanks for listening. 
For story suggestions or to submit feedback, email news.cjls at radioabl.ca or call our news line at 902-749-1919. To listen to archived versions of our program, visit us online at cjls.com and click on The Weekender. The Weekender is a production of the Y95 Newsroom and is brought to you by Eris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center.